If I'm going to take on something that feels scary to me, I don't use the word scary. I say that's exciting. It's the same physiology. I just choose a word that's more supportive of an outcome that would help me propel toward it instead of repel from it. All day long, I have stories about where people have been in a situation that they think is doom and gloom. Fast forward three years from now, they'll look back and say, oh my God, thank God that happened. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Hey, well, welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. You got with you today, the Knucklehead, Stephen. And I'm excited about uh, introducing our next guest. And I'm going to butcher her background. And why am I going to butcher her background? Well, like every great podcast host, the amount of preparation that we do prior to the conversation is... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we, I'm not going to butcher her, her, her background. <laughs> She's been gracious to remind me of a document that she shared. Uh, she shared probably about a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago. And... You know, honestly, I'll be honest with you, I, I kind of glossed right over it, but I went back and looked at the leadership lessons that Michelle's going to share with us, at least maybe a couple of them, not all of them. She's going to share with us today, maybe some stories that led to the generation of these things. But one of my favorite things about interviewing folks like Michelle, so Michelle Rhinus is actually who's going to be joining us today. But one of the things that I like about having guests like her on is they're not the same and, and to treat things like development uh, strategies, thought processes. You can provide frameworks for people, but without recognizing how different people can be and having a healthy appreciation for, for how different people we actually can be, I think that sometimes frameworks get lost in the sauce. And so I appreciate Michelle taking the time to come talk with us today. So Michelle, how in the hell are you? I'm doing great. Great to be here. I'm so uh, excited to, to hang out with a knucklehead. Uh, we have a lot in common already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, I appreciate that. Sometimes that's not a good thing, and I wouldn't necessarily go around telling a whole bunch of people that you got a, a lot in common with this <laughs> knuckle dragger myself. So let's jump right into a couple things. What, why is leadership important to you? I, that's what I'm curious about. Most of the time, we'll get an answer like this just to kind of add some some backstory here. Because it was, it, it, and, it, and it doesn't end this way, because I worked for such an incredible leader that did such a good job recognizing me for who I was. Typically, leadership is at least the importance of it to our guests whenever we ask them this question is because they had a bad experience with, with either a leader who was you know, setting either a poor example or, or didn't create an environment for his folks to be successful. So why is leadership important to you? Well, I would love to pin that on someone else, but I would say that leadership is important to me because I sucked as a leader. I was, I should say, a manager, not a leader. And when I started out in leadership, I blew it and I blew it at a very critical time and it caused a lot of collateral damage for others. And because of that, I became very vested in figuring this leadership thing out, figuring out how to develop the competencies within myself, especially in a time where we didn't have the internet and it wasn't, I couldn't just go and Google it. I couldn't go to Amazon and order the book. I had to figure out how to lead. How do I get people up out of bed to come and play their hearts out for me on my team? And so that's when my path for leadership changed and my passion was ignited. I appreciate that. That's, sometimes it's not an easy place to go back to mentally, especially if, if you play that central character. I, it's funny, Michelle, I, I want to, our audience hears this all the time. They know my story. They're kind of tired of hearing it. But there, there are multiple examples, one in particular that comes to mind 
where, you know, I didn't play nice with some of the other peers that I had within, you know, the organization that I was a part of. And when I say I didn't play nice, I didn't agree that that was the direction that the organization needed to go, at least relative to a few of the strategic initiatives over the course of a two to three quarter period of time. And we were already hitting the revenue numbers that we needed. Our sales team was out there crushing it. We were growing at a pace that, quite frankly, this office had never grown before. And success was was happening at multiple levels within the business that I felt like, okay, why would we want to pivot now in order to take the focus away from what's been working from a growth standpoint? And quite frankly, it was full of folks who felt like everybody needed to get along to go along. They needed to kind of tell the leadership what they wanted to hear instead of creating an environment, an atmosphere where people could just be honest with each other. And I screwed the pooch on communicating how we just needed to insulate relatively new folks from this kind of toxic you know, misalignment between other managers or, or frontline managers, strategic and directors within the organization. However, I, it blew up in my face. I mean, I, I did not do a good enough job protecting not just my team, but then also speaking professionally and with respect to those around me. And it created a really toxic environment that quite frankly, it just didn't work out. Yeah. And thankfully, there was an off ramp that I was able to take uh, somewhere else where it led to a much better opportunity. And, you know, the employee that I hired, number one, he essentially took over as a frontline sales manager, not necessarily just to take my role, but to perform one of the functions that I did a poor job of doing. Long story short is I've been there. So I know exactly what you're talking about. This is why this is knucklehead podcast. This is not like you did it perfectly the first time, every time podcast. This is what you screw up along the way. So if you could just go back with me for a second, what did that do to you knowing that you know every time you were trying to effectively make change, and most of that change is probably going to be positive, that the inverse was happening. What did that do to you and your confidence and your ability to execute? Yeah, well, it started with a, a walkout. So that's what I suffered as a young manager, not a leader. And that is an abrupt wake-up call when your team collectively aligns behind the scenes and plans a walkout all on the same day, all in the same moment. Um, you know, it's one thing if one person says you're not doing a good job as a leader, it's another thing when you have an entire team align around it and then they exit stage left, which is exactly what happened to me. I became, and I would love to say that after that lesson, I was fixed and that I figured it out and, and moved on up into becoming an amazing leader. But that's not the truth. The truth of the matter is I actually wrote a book about it, which is From Bad to Badass Leader is how it's titled. And it's the journey, right? So it was a journey of 12 leadership lessons that I look back on now that actually worked and helped me dig out of the hole after hole that I created because I didn't make just one mistake. You know, even as I was trying to figure the leadership thing out, I would continue to have those rivalries, those competitive behaviors that are unbecoming of teamwork peer-to-peer, which you just described. I couldn't find my voice. And when I did, it didn't land professionally. So I didn't know how to communicate effectively up the channel. I certainly didn't play well in the sandbox with my peers because I played win-lose. I wanted to beat them. I wanted to win at all costs. And I wanted my team to win. And I was righteous about protecting my team and righteous about my voice and I'm going to do it sugar-free and I'm going to be authentic and, and all this stuff. And there is a way to communicate that I learned a little too late. Now, as much as I say all of that, I did ultimately become 
a very effective leader, great at building high-performance teams, was recognized and, and moved my career up the path into a very successful level before exiting and starting my, my first leadership company. So it's not all doom and gloom, but it's a process and it's an evolution in leadership. And that's what I did. I went on to make mistakes. And then in the book, I share those mistakes. And then I share what I learned and what I what I learned to do differently to make it more effective. So I had a, a history of a lot of boot and mouth moments and bumps and bruises along my journey. And I was in the corporate world for 34 years before for launching my first company. And so there's a lot of, uh, should I say, a carnage that I experienced. And I wasn't the same mistake. I didn't make the same mistakes over and over again, but there was definitely a pattern. And the most important thing that I needed to do on this journey was to you know, stop, drop, roll, and f- discover the lessons so that I don't continue making those same mistakes. So I did Build, build my competencies over time, um, but I definitely chose the harder path. Um, there could have been a better way, and that's what I share in my book is to just help people um, not make those same immature and inexperienced mistakes that I made. Save them those uh, boot-and-mouth moments, if you will. Uh, it takes a lot to, to specify what went wrong, uh, but then also do the, the have enough reflection uh, to diagnose potentially a framework uh, to help guide yourself away from making a similar set of mistakes and potentially then passing on that framework uh, to other folks the way that you do now. For those of you who like listening to Knucklehead, there's an episode that's coming to mind as you're talking through this. Uh, a lot of folks who are either listening to this podcast or who have listened to it and engaged with our content, whether it be on LinkedIn or Twitter or wherever, it happens to be that a former Marine Corps Navy uh, Naval officer, he was actually a Navy SEAL, essentially started up a nonprofit organization and ended up then subsequently taking his network and developing some opportunities around it. But he did it bootstrapping everything. There was no financial success whatsoever to, I think it's episode 58 or 59 of of Knucklehead. So you're going to have to go back hundreds of episodes ago. But Mike Sorelli, he is now, you know, the, the CEO of uh, the Talent War Group. But he talked about how a lack of preparation or a lack of kind of thoughtful analysis led to kind of the repeating of, of these same mistakes. And I, I like the way that you isolated that peer-to-peer playing to win versus playing, would you say playing in the sandbox together? And I, I can't remember. Win-lose, yeah, learning how to play in the sandbox. Yeah, win-lose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so do you, do, you find, do you find that in the corporate world, I mean, you're fighting for existence every 90 days, so to speak, and you got month-to-month yeah. payroll and cash flows that you're, you know, that you're looking to make ends meet. So talk to me a little bit about how you can have that, you know, competitiveness, but do it in a way that you have a little bit softer edges and and you're playing nicely with other folks so you can still accomplish that same goal of having the company win. Yeah. And that's the thing is that a lot of organizations, I certainly know, you know, my background all came up through the sales channel as well, and then moved into leadership positions and operations and in management. And a lot of organizations will have incentivize, you know, beating out your peers. And so the structure can be confusing, especially when you're hard dialed in a driver, very focused on results, action and, and challenging results in action, which was absolutely how I'm hardwired even to this day. And so then you drop me into an incentive program. Really? I wouldn't have guessed that <laughs> right? at all. I wouldn't have guessed that at all. You're hardwired for a mess with you. I completely interrupted you. No, you did great. But you're holding a motorcycle helmet. Uh, <laughs> In one of your, in 
several pictures. <laughs> so something tells me that you like to you like to color outside the lines a little bit. All right. So I interrupted you. Apologize. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I enjoy yeah. risk and I enjoy challenge. Right. So when someone puts a challenge and dangles a carrot, I'm on the gas right or on the throttle and going after it. And if I'm managing a team, I do the same with my team. And so organically, what can happen with when you drop someone of my persona into that type of an environment, I will naturally play win will lose. I mean, that's just how I'm, I'm hardwired. And so part of it is how do we, as organizations, look at our metrics and okay. decide how do we, you know, isn't it better if we all win? <laughs> and how do I support you in winning, Stephen, as a peer? You know, how do I share strategies? What's working? What's not working? How do we cross-pollinate? How are we, we're always better together. And so a lot of organizations are getting smarter and figuring out how do we motivate peers to reach across and support one another and their teams winning. And, and again, the same way with a lot of organizations that I support as a coach, you know, that having them look, go back in and relook at their metrics and how they incentivize, you know, if you have multiple locations, isn't it better to refer from location to location and let's find the best fit for the customer and then reward at that level, right? Different tiers. And some organizations will do that and you'll change the metric. But the other part is stepping back as a leader, which I have hindsight now realizing what didn't work well for me. But then later on in my career, when I figured out we are better putting our heads together and then I started partnering with my peers, man, the difference that it makes for people in performance and for customer experiences and how we can improve one another and all win. It's a lot more fun and you can get a lot further along because at the end of the day, I don't have all the answers. And so, but you might have the other piece of the puzzle that I'm missing. And if we're partnering and supporting one another and rallying for each other to win and each other's teams to win, then that to me is a multiplier and, and very powerful. And that's in the book under lesson 11, which is expand your tribe. Thank you very much for clarifying that at the tail end of that, where folks who are following along, whether they're following along on social or they're following along in the podcast themselves, we'll make sure to list in the, in the show notes the best way to get in touch with Michelle. But then also, in addition to that, where you can find some of the resources that she's talking about. She had made reference to point 11. I'm looking at a document here that's got 12 leadership lessons. And the question that keeps on coming to my mind is at what point, you know, and, and how important does sequence or timing play in potentially the rollout of these lessons? Because you know, I'll be honest with you, I'm seeing like point one and point nine, I could see that being applicable. But, you know, I think that like you don't want to be an ass, which is leadership lesson number one throughout the entire process, except for yes. point seven, like create the struggle. I like that. Right. So it requires being a little bit of an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> well, what I could do is I can give you a, a 60 second rundown on okay. how they wind together. The lessons stack. So you start with lesson one, don't be an ass. And then in order to really make sure of that lesson two is stop, drop, take a selfie. Once you understand yourself, then you're capable of building trust, which lesson three is let's talk about trust, baby. And once you have established trust with your team, you can move into lesson four, which is prioritizing people over performance. That's the maximizer. And then in order to do that and do it most effectively, you need to become an epic coach. So how do I coach you to your stretch you into your potential? And then lesson six is now how do I hire, select, onboard, and uh, cross-pollinate a badass team? So I, lesson six is build a badass team. Just real quick, I, I know you're stacking these, which is yes. fantastic, and I appreciate that. Let's, let's back up to point number four. We're mm -hmm. putting your people first. People first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, putting your people first and then being an epic coach. Where do you find 
the biggest struggle is for either first-time coaches or coaches who are building, let's just say, a uh, an organization or team outside of what their core competency is. Maybe they're a white-collar person who's made an, an angel investment. They want to necessarily get more operationally involved in their organization that they've invested in, but they're not as familiar with maybe the, the frontline type of problems that exist. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, but I'm just curious to see how would somebody become an epic coach if they're not as intimately involved in the problems as maybe some of their people are? Well, part of uh, being an epic coach, according to how I have drafted this book, is all about understanding your people. So, you know, you may not understand your product, your team understands your product, but you need to really understand, you know, I need to understand Steven. I need to know his strengths, his weaknesses, preferred style of communication. I need to understand his competence level on different levels and understand how I can support him in rising to his potential and stretching outside of his comfort zone or stretching outside of his job description in order to create a bigger impact. So, and as we get into larger organizations and enterprise organizations, our expertise becomes diluted on the day-to-day operations, or we can't be in the weeds. So we have to be able to navigate the people parts and then step back, trust and surrender and support them and giving them the tools and the resources that they need. But we really become experts of the people parts. We may not have all of the intricacies of what you do every single day, but who do I get to be for you? What do you need from me as your coach in order for you to be most effective? So it's about developing the the leader who's responsible for the frontline teams, whatever level you're at. If it's if it's a CEO, then it's his C-suiters, right? And then if it's a mid-level management, then it's you're taking care of your direct reports. Yeah, and you see that a lot with uh, with folks who go from yeah, you know, just use using a, a typical structure, uh, military structure, for instance, right? So if you go from a you know a troop leader. As, a, as an E5, right, as a sergeant in the Marine Corps. And then all of a sudden you become a, a staff sergeant or a gunnery sergeant or a master sergeant. All of a sudden administratively what ends up happening is you're separated away from the day-to-day and you have to, you have to actually create these. And I, and I like point number seven for this is you have to create opportunities to see your, either your team perform or your direct reports lead and it actually gives you some some more substantive feedback. Uh, a lot of times, I've heard I've heard it say in the in the corporate world, like a like a one up, right? Or a, not a one up. A what's what am, what am I looking for here? We're level up. Somebody, yeah, level up. Like a like a direct report. You you take some of the folks that report to them, and you have that type of communication. Subsequently, you also open the door for folks who report directly to you to report to whomever's actually your boss at the time. So it, it just creates that open-ended communication with obviously the objective of everybody getting better. So can't do that without trust. Yes. And about developing people, stretching them outside their comfort zones um, into potential maybe they never even realized. And that is the onus is on, upon us as leaders and epic coaches to understand and discover what that is. And at the end of the day, whether we like it or not, the first and most important order of business, as far as I'm concerned, are the people parts. If we don't get that right, it doesn't matter that we have all the best processes in place because if the people are, if their skill sets are not fully developed, if they're not effectively coached, if they're not highly engaged, we're going to dilute our outcomes regardless. So people priorities are your most important priorities. Performance outcomes are what we get to enjoy when we get the people parts right. Understood. Understood. So I interrupted you right as you were talking about building a badass team, and then you referenced a few scenarios there. 
rather than finish the list, because that's what people can do by getting the book. They can get the book and they can finish the list. There's some other really, really good ones. We talked about Create the Struggle here just a few minutes, a little bit. Can you share one story where it was almost cringely painful? You don't have to get specific with names, where you're working with an organization or maybe somewhere in your corporate career where you had this intended outcome and things just didn't work out the way that you wanted to. But as a result of that screw up or as a result of somebody who you were working with, even even though they messed up, it actually led to a much larger, better outcome later on, a success that they didn't account for, even though that there was a setback that they had to experience. Do you have a, a story that you could share with us? Yes, I have one I can share. It's happened. It happened to me. It also has happened to clients of mine. You know, oftentimes organizations make changes in their leadership levels, and it results in you suddenly having uh, maybe a favorite leader that left and now you have a new leader that comes in. And for whatever reason, um, in, in the case of a client that I had several years ago, they were a leader within the organization, an executive leader came in, and they felt like they had a target on their back. Like that leader just didn't like them. It didn't matter what they did. They just couldn't connect with them. And so ultimately what ended up happening was we put a strategy together to work with this particular leader to help them stretch themselves outside of their comfort zone, develop their next level skill sets and competencies, and really create a whole new path for where they wanted to go. And at the end of the day, they ended up in a C-suite position within another organization in a similar industry and never looked back. And they have their own team and they took all of the lessons of the pain points that they learned you know, there's that old adage, I wish I could think of where it came from, but when it gets uncomfortable enough, you'll move. And so it, sometimes it takes that struggle, right, to stretch us and get us out of our own way, to stretch us to our next greatest possibility. So I really seek not to be a victim because there were certainly times in my career, throughout my career, when I chose a victim stance or mindset, which didn't serve me now, now that the beauty of hindsight comes into play. But I really like to embrace that struggle or that challenge or that pain point as an opportunity to, you know, the buzzword for since 2020 has been pivot. But really, it, it does. It is an invitation for us to relook at and rethink about, is this the path I want to stay on or is this another door, another window that could possibly open up for me? And what else could I do? And I embrace challenge. I embrace change. I'm, I embrace risk. I'm excited by it all. It's really the language that I choose to, um, how I choose to filter that. If I'm going to take on something that feels scary to me, I, I don't use the word scary. I say that's exciting. It's the same physiology. I just choose a word that's more supportive of an outcome that would help me propel toward it instead of repel from it. And so, I mean, I have all, all day long, I have stories about where people have been in a situation that they think is doom and gloom. And then when they fast forward three years from now, they'll look back and say, oh my God, thank God that happened because that was the pivot point at which it just completely remapped my, my path. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that story. Well, for, for those of you who are listening and not having an opportunity to look uh, at Michelle as she's sharing, I, my suggestion is you go back and and uh, take a look at the social media clip, whether that be on, on LinkedIn or uh, our Facebook page. Or um, Michelle has actually probably got a, a site that she can plug here where you can check out uh, the podcast in its entirety. But her entire demeanor changed when I started talking about <laughs> a screw up along the way. And uh, I, I love that she gets specific about probably how connected she was to the outcome there. I just, I appreciate the perspective of looking at it as an exciting opportunity versus scary. Because the reality is there's nothing in life that's worth doing that's not 
going to be a little bit risk oriented or, or potentially dangerous or could have a negative outcome. But, you know, I like the way that you reverse engineered. You want to orient your perspective based off of whatever that result is that you want. And I appreciate that. That's, that's a good way to look at it. So anyway, Michelle, let's land the plane here. Yes. What's the best way for folks that are listening you know, to some of the things that you're talking about potentially, or maybe there's somebody on their team that they think that could benefit from, you know, an audience or some, you know, some frameworks that you're talking about here. What's the best way for folks to get in touch with you? Badassleader.com is our website. And you'll notice that our uh, brand is very unconventional and edgy and playful. We are huge fans of supporting what I would call the everyday leader. And so you can reach us there or someone can directly email me at michelle at badassleader.com and I'll respond personally. We love to connect with leaders just to help them figure things out. Some people want to augment their path with um, some virtual learning. Other people want badass leadership coaching. Many teams, especially right now, it's been it's been really exciting. Ever since the pandemic started, there's been a tremendous amount of interest because there are so many industries that are going to stay permanent or at least partial remote workers. So now leadership development and training is becoming more experiential oriented. So one of our best-selling platforms are Badass Leader Boot Camps, where we go to someplace really epic and fun, and we spend two to three days boots on the ground connecting with people and then um, learning different lessons or going through a Badass Leader Boot Camp and then spending the third day playing together. Some examples are getting in side-by-sides down in Baja at the Horsepower Ranch, which is fantastic. It's the home of the Baja 1000. And um, having those types of experiences, I mean, anything from simple simple and, and fun as axe throwing to um, getting on some side-by-sides and can-ams and tearing up some dirt um, after we've all come together as a team. And then debriefing around the campfire at night under the stars is pretty epic. And so that's been an exciting uh, thing for us because we love getting out there and working alongside and playing alongside of our customers. Well, it's, that sounds like a lot of fun. Sounds like a, a great way to, it is a lot of fun. Sounds like a great way to get uh, some dirt kicked up in your face too. Well, with your coworkers, right? Yes. So mixing it up outside of. Yes. And, and to talk about the pain points of leadership and learn together, grow together. Yeah. A CEO friend a long time ago said to me, he's, he was like, one of the things that I love about interaction outside of the context of work is you get feedback. You get like uninterrupted, like unfettered feedback from people and you're able to take action or build a plan or a strategy around what to do next. So what a great way to uh, connect with some of your coworkers and, and mix it up in a framework that is a little bit edgy yeah. outside of, you know, Slack messages and Zoom meetings and all the fun yeah. stuff that we get to do now. So, all right, Michelle, you've been gracious with your time. Uh, anything else you want to leave these folks with before we jam? Yes, that'd be great if you would please refer them to badassleader.com forward slash knucklehead. We've got some goodies for them there. They can download a sample of the first lesson for free. And there are other things like cool screensavers of their favorite lesson that they can download that are fun, that they're applicable on mobile and or desktop. So there's some goodies out there for them to check out. Thanks for, for listening in and connecting with us. Very cool. Well, there you go. You've got your marching orders. So if you're listening... Do what she said. What did you say? <laughs> Badassleader.com slash knucklehead? Yep, you got it. Is that where folks are headed? That's what it is. There you go. All right. For those of you who like listening to Knucklehead, we've got new episodes coming at you every Tuesday. Jump into whether a social media thread or going over the website, knucklehead.agency. Love to hear from you. And with that, we appreciate Michelle taking the time. She told you exactly what it is that you needed to do. My challenge would be if there's something that she said that resonated 
my challenge would be to connect with her and follow through with one of the, the ideas that you had as you were listening. So that's the price of admission today. Follow up with her. All right. <laughs> so for those of you like listening, go ahead. We already said what to do. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good rest of the day, y'all. Take care.